So, this is the self-development with tactics. Book. So, uh, we're gonna go ahead with the biology of belief and we're gonna go ahead with key idea number five. But yeah, uh, with that being said, hold on, we're back to the next episode of the self development with Tactics podcast just because I'm always fucking forgetting about that. But yeah, um, I've been at a barber yesterday. Or, yeah, um, actually a new barber. I haven't been to this one uh, yet. Yeah. <laughs> And um, really cool guy, like such a such a cool studio. Also not that expensive actually, and and pretty cool, pretty pretty cool. And also with this great, which is not very common in uh, in Austria at least, having these machines with a cable. You know, normally uh, the barbers around there we're having just the machines wirelessly charged and whatnot. But uh, really cool. I just really enjoyed that because I haven't seen that in Austria up to this point actually, and. But anyway, um, also so well done, actually. And also, um, you know, I know and I recognize, I at least guess that he knows what the fuck he's doing. So he knows his craft. But anyway, it's not about my hair. It's not about my barber. But it is about key idea number five, which is our minds play a crucial role in our physical health. And it is actually something that I've been talking to somebody, uh, a friend of mine, um, I think last week or something. And it is an insane thing. It is an insane thing how much of a role our psychological health plays in in our just overall health or also then physical health. You know, there is just, uh, I don't know, like if you're depressed and if you're feeling bad, if something happened in your life, then yes, you're going to feel bad. But also you're probably going to feel bad physically as well. You know, you're going to be drained. You're going to be just not motivated and whatnot. Um, well, okay, this does not necessarily have something to do with your physical health, but depression really can uh, get to or become physical pain, which obviously is fucked up. You have probably heard of the placebo effect and also the nocebo effect. There is where uh, This is where people recover from an illness after receiving a fake treatment, such as taking a sugar pill. This effect suggests that the power of recovery recovery lies at least partly in our minds. We get better because we think we will. So how could this be? Well, we know that the mind plays a crucial role in regulating our body. We are not just uh, talking about the conscious mind. That is, we don't just get better because we will it. Rather, the conscious works alongside our subconscious mind, which is many times more powerful. Scientists can this... Pert uh, discovered one uh, one such way in which the mind is fascinatingly powerful. She discovered that the mind is not contained is not contained just in our heads, but is dispersed throughout our body uh, through signal molecules. Which these oh through signal molecules. Period. While these signal molecules send information to the brain, the brain can also subvert them and transfer information in the other direction. Furthermore. Pert found that our conscious mind can create molecules of emotion which can program our body to feel better. Our ability to use our conscious mind to sub, uh, supersede our automatic responses to our environment is what makes us who we are, yet it can be problematic. If it just goes into the other direction, so the bad direction. 
We are capable of acting beyond our base instincts and, unlike animals, we can program our own behavior. But this ability can end, uh, can end up with us being programmed in a way that can be harmful. This happens, for instance, when we are given negative messages, when we are giving, uh, given negative messages from our parents or also teachers. For example, say a teacher tells you repeatedly that you are stupid. This message could become part of your programming, which could lead you to refrain from doing intelligent things, choosing a difficult career or sharing your thoughts with others. The positive or negative effects that might result from the control over our beliefs can take our uh, can take over our well, can take over our biology and lead us to some interesting conclusions. We will look at this in the following book summaries. I see, so apparently there is multiple book summaries. I still don't know what they mean with that, but maybe they just uh, think and or just mean uh, these key ideas or chapters, you know, however you want to actually uh, call them. The biology of belief, key ID 6. Evolution has equipped us with two basic survival mechanisms. Life on Earth has endured for billions of years, but how? Our bodies display two types of behavior that have helped perpetuate our existence growth and also protection. We can see this by looking at our cells. In one study, scientists, scientists placed cloned human cells in a culture dish. When the cells were confronted with toxins, they moved as far away as possible. This is the protection response. Yet, when a nutritious substance was introduced, the cells gravitated toward it. This is the growth response. Because these two behaviors are completely opposed to each other, they cannot happen at the same time. Growth occurs when we are in a healthy state, uh, when we are in a state of protection, though in response to a threat or a stressor, we don't grow. Being in a state of growth is fairly straightforward, so let's explore the more complicated protection state. There is just something that I'm realizing uh, reading this. If we think about working out, if we think about working out, working out is a stressor. They say that if there is a stressor, our body and or our cells apparently are moving away from that. Yes, this kind of makes sense because we are not building muscle. We are not gaining muscle. We are not just doing anything while we are working out. It is only done when we are asleep, when we are recovering. So, and recovery is a state of growth, actually, just because we're able to, because there's no stressor anymore. Like working out is the stressor, you know, which leads us to just uh, protect ourselves, which we are doing in whatever way. I don't actually know. But it makes sense that then when we are able to rest and then we, uh, then when we are able uh, to just be in an environment that uh, provides us with nutritious substances, that we are growing, you know, just because there is no stress anymore, just because we're not in a bad environment anymore, but in a good one, in a growth, um, in a growth environment, but this is not necessarily what I wanted to say, but in a, but in an environment that is, um, letting us grow quite, yeah, or making us grow. Pretty interesting thoughts there. Um, Growth occurs when we are in a healthy state. When you are in a state of protection, though, in response of a threat or stress, so I've read that. The protection response contains more than one mechanism. One of these mechanisms is the immune system, which takes care of the body's defenses against internal threats like bacteria and viruses. Then there is the more powerful mechanism, the hypothalamus pituitary uh, adrenaline axis, which is HPA, 
axis, uh, which shields us against external threats, but also suppresses our immune system. Suppresses. Why does it do that? The protection response of the HPA axis is based on our nervous system and is uh, popularly referred to as the fight or flight response. For example, when we come face to face with a lion, our body will either prepare to confront the animal or flee from it, which totally makes sense. This mechanism is stronger because of our frequent exposure to external threats throughout the evolutionary process. The problem is that the HPA axis is rather unsophisticated. In stressful situations, it is easily triggered. This is why we become unnecessarily fearful when we have to give presentations, for example, or sit exams. Yeah, which is a fucked up thing. So in order to thrive, we must learn to control the response of our HPA axis, or put simply, we need to control our stress levels. The biology of belief, key ID 7, from the point of conception, parental behavior determines how their children will think and act. We have learned quite a lot so far, so let's take a minute to recap. We know that signals from the environment impact our cells. We know how the body copes with stress, and we are aware that we can reprogram ourselves. But how can we utilize this knowledge in our own lives? One area where we can apply it is in parenting. Not many of us realize that the in, that the development of a child is affected by its environment right from its conception. The Darwin or Darwinian idea of genetic determinism would have us believe that uh, parents are not a crucial partner in child's development because it is our genes that determine what becomes of us. But research shows that this is false or wrong or whatever. During the time a fetus is developing in the womb, it is actually being influenced by its surroundings. Some scientists believe that conditions in the womb can determine whether we are suspect, uh, susceptible to poor health, such as contracting diabetes or suffering from neurosis and strokes later in life. Parents therefore needs to ensure that they give their babies the best possible start by taking the womb an ideal place to flourish. By, by making the womb an ideal place to flourish, I'm sorry, they should, for example, eat a healthy diet and ensure that they program or set up their child for the best start in their life. A parent's action help determine how a child experiences the world, like what things they will be scared of and what things they will be uh, they will feel most comfortable doing. Therefore, they should make sure the child is not programmed with unnecessary fears of stresses. For example, parents should never label their child as weak or stupid, as these messages will become programmed into the child, a stain uh, that they can, uh, that they may carry into adulthood and potentially through the rest of their life, which is not a cool thing because, um, because yeah, I mean, if you truly believe that you're stupid, then you are stupid, you know, and, and we really can believe in that. And it is a very bad thing just because our mind is so strong. And yeah, be a good parent. And I do also have to say that, I mean, being a good parent is easily said, but it is, I think, quite difficult to act on that as well, um, but still really try hard. And, and I don't know, like, I actually always thought that I do not want to have children, you know, never ever quite, just because it is a lot of work and just because I don't kind of want to uh, restrict myself from doing things. But, but I don't know, I mean, being a good parent is a great thing. And I kind of maybe do also want to experience that, you know, it's quite all of, you know, I mean, life is about experiences, isn't it? You know, we can experience 
so many things and we can see so many things. Um, but yeah, you know, some people do take advantage of that and some people don't. Um, but we all have to just know for ourselves whether we just want to go for that or just don't want to go for that. But this shouldn't scarce because we still have the power, even later in life, to program ourselves to override our instincts and achieve great things. The biology of belief, key idea eight, cooperation, not competition, is the most effective force to development. What is the overarching message of evolution? Survival over the fittest? Perhaps, actually, a more accurate expression is make peace, not war, but is this so But why is this so resonant? For billions of years, cells have cooperated and developed systems that have allowed them to survive. At the start of life on Earth, there were many single-celled organisms competing with each other for scarce resources. Eventually, they learned that they could achieve more or much more if they worked together, and so multi, uh, multicellular life was born. Now, look at the human body. It holds around 100 trillion individual cells, each living a good life. In a healthy body, each cell has a job and a place to live. Not a single cell is cast out to fend for itself. Just imagine what human society could achieve if we took some aspiration or inspiration from the remarkable cell and made, cooperation, uh, and made cooperating with others a key objective in our lives. Although it is often thought that humans are genetically programmed to be selfish, selfishness is not apparent in the animal kingdom, and we are not so far removed from our animal cousins. Even a wild baboon, considered one of the most violent species on earth, is not genetically programmed to only look out for itself. If even bamboos, uh, baboons can cooperate, surely people can and should manage to work together. If we continue to go about the world chasing our own selfish goals, eventually we will run into more and more conflicts as a population continues to grow. Uh, the only way we can successfully prepare for the future is uh, to communicate with one another and develop common strategies based on our shared goals and values. After all, we all desire a livable and harmonious planet. With hopefully not a lot of fucking war and shit. Because why? Because why was the point of that? We need to be aware that we no longer have to accept the notion that we are programmed to act selfish. The biology of belief key ID 9. There is scientific evidence that we are made in the image of the universe and that we live on after Earth. Really? Well, I'm not quite sure about that, about the statement there. Um, but yeah, we will see. There are some religious uh, religions that declare we are made in the image in the image of God. For the atheists among us, this concept can be a little hard to swallow. However, if we take God to mean the universe or the totality of our environment, there is indeed evidence to suggest that, uh, that we are formed from the universe and from what some may call God. Uh, that is to say, the proteins in every cell in our body respond to signals from our surroundings. This informs how they behave and therefore forms our identity. And because we are made up of cells, we can say we are created from our environment. Being made in this way is not the only spiritual idea that can be supported by science. There is also evidence that suggests that we continue to exist after Earth, or after death actually. To explain... Our cells' membranes are covered with identity receptors which make them, and therefore us, unique. Like an 
Tanea, these receptors pick up signals from our environment and, in doing so, create our identity. Take the analogy of a television broadcast. Imagine our body is a TV set and our identity is the image that is broadcasted onto the screen. If the TV, so our body, breaks down, does this mean that the broadcasted image or identity is also dead? Of course not. If you get another TV, the image reappears. So even though our body dies, the imprint of our identity is still present in the environment. If someone appeared with exactly the same identity receptors as you, they would pick up the same broadcast and you would exist once more. So if someone appeared with exactly the same identity receptors as you, they would pick up the same broadcast and you would exist once more. In summary, to appreciate this spiritual notion, we need to understand the idea that some that nothing can function in our body without ourselves picking up signals from our environment. In review, the biology of belief book summary, the key message in this book. The idea that genes control our life is no longer supported by the latest scientific research. The new biology has discovered that we have instead a profound influence over our genes. Scientific uh, scientists evolved in the new biology and show and should therefore dedicate their efforts to better understand um, these mechanisms to help humanity overcome its problems. Actionable advice. Don't automatically accept the same medical treatment as everyone else. If you are one, if you are anyone you know, what? If you or anyone you know are diagnosed by a physical, uh, by a physician as having a so-called incurable disease or disorder, remember that it depends on the method the physician applies as to whether the disease is curable or not. We are all unique. Thus, many alternative approaches to illness should be explored so we can discover the most effective treatment method for us. Deal with stress and negative programming by meditating. When you are stressed, your immune system can't function properly. So the next time you are in a situation of chronic stress, consider meditating. This can also help reduce negative subconscious thoughts, which is then programming, that can wreak havoc, that can wreak Havoc, what does havoc mean on our health? Hurricane ripped through devastation. I didn't know about that. But yeah, um, so this is going to be the end of the episode. Thank you very, very, very much from the bottom of my heart for listening and or watching. And yeah, I wish you the best health of happiness and all success. And also hope that you're going to remind yourself and you're going to be remembered, which basically means your legacy basically means just being a nice person and then also being remembered as a nice person, which is a pretty fucking cool thing. Three questions that I have for you are why are you here? What are you trying to change and what is bothering you the most? Is three questions are hopefully going to show you your purpose and maybe even a business idea which is a pretty fucking cool thing so yeah one other question that i'm having for you is what could you essentially say to another person that is indeed going to change their life because i believe that we all can say something that we all can say something that is indeed going to change how somebody is viewing the world and seeing the world as our parents maybe did and yeah maybe did in the wrong way therefore but yeah anyway Gonna see you the next time. Thank you very much. Once again, bye, bye, bye. Please stay healthy and safe and also your family. And yeah.